Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on lifestyle design for millennials. I'm Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hey everyone, it's Eileen. Today I have another guest for you. Her name is Molly Hayward. So Molly is the co-founder of Cora, a premium organic tampon company that also donates pads to girls in need. So Cora is available via subscription and at Target. So you can learn more on their website, which is Cora.life. That's spelled C-O-R-A dot life. Hi, Molly. Hi, Eileen. It's so great to be here. I know. So good to finally talk to you because we've been like emailing for months now, right? <laughs> totally been like ships passing in the night. I'm yeah. really glad that we finally got to got to connect. Yeah. I mean, you seem like you're busy, which in, is good. You know, I see you're doing amazing things. You were just named like one of Forbes, like 30 under 30 entrepreneurs. Congrats. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a cool thing. There's a lot going on, but I feel like everybody's so busy like that I feel like Mm -hmm. that's like we live in this like cult of busyness these days and it's so hard to like it's it's almost like people wear it as a badge of honor and it's like it's not a badge of honor like I wish I like knew how to slow down sometimes and really Mm -hmm. like um kind of savor things and enjoy my life yeah (laughs) and you're you're in San Francisco right are you in the heart of the city I am yeah um we are yeah we're totally in the in the in the heart of San Francisco it's really great yeah so yeah I can see it's like super fast paced and it's funny because literally the last person I brought on to this podcast she was like the opposite she's all about living the slow life (laughs) yeah I mean there are different types of people out there but yeah I love to know about your story because I'm a huge fan of what Cora's doing. So uh, before we talk about Cora, let's talk about your life before Cora. I'm curious, did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? No, um, definitely not. You know, when I was 10 years old was maybe the first time that I got an indication of like what I was really interested in and passionate about. And they say, I learned later that they say that if you look at what you're doing at 10 years old, it's probably a good indication of like what you are going to do for the rest of your life, or at least what you should be doing for the rest of your life as far as a career. Mm -hmm. And when I was 10, I was the girl in my fourth grade classroom, like going around and collecting um, kids change to donate to UNICEF or to donate to like 4-H or just like, I would hear about some kind of injustice or need and I would immediately kind of like want to spring into action to help do something even something really small I mean I felt like it was a big deal to give like you know 20 bucks to UNICEF but at that time it felt like a big deal and so like fast forward I focused on women's health and international economic um, development in college and was super passionate about it then but after I graduated, kind of took a left turn in into startups. Mm-hmm. I really thought that I was going to go into work with, you know, a big NGO or a nonprofit. And this opportunity kind of came up and I was just really intrigued by it. And so it was a job within an e-commerce startup, um, 
but that but a startup that had a social mission kind of baked into its business model. So they were all about sustainable products and um, and kind of promoting promoting those. And um, and I was just so fascinated by this um, this concept of using something scalable like a business to create a social impact and, and seeing how the social impact would actually grow as the business grew. And I just thought this is you know brilliant. It's not about sort of spending all your time fundraising and, and trying to make sure that you have you know a way to fund your cool projects. Like you're kind of doing it all in one. You're solving a problem in some way, shape or form with your business but you're also kind of using that to solve a bigger social issue. And so that was kind of my first introduction to startups and entrepreneurship. Um, and after a few years, um, I decided I, I wanted to go off on my own and start my own company. Um, and so the first company that I, um, that I co-founded was a sustainable clothing company. I was really interested in the fashion industry and sort of the environmental and human impacts of that industry. And so um, I launched um, a brand with a designer in the UK um, and, and did that for uh, several years and really like got got such an interesting perspective on actually the the woman who is the Cora customer today. So mm -hmm. this this woman who is modern and sophisticated and thoughtful and um, cares about design and aesthetic, but also cares about the environment and cares about yes. um, global issues. And so when I left that company and was kind of ready to move on to my next thing, I had no idea what I was going to do. I was like completely without mm -hmm. direction. Well, why did you decide to leave that company? Because it was your company you started up, right? Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I was really just at a point with it where I felt like I had taken it as far as I could, um, mm -hmm. and I had really, um, I really felt like my value was in um, building the brand and really creating, creating the platform for it to grow. And so once it got to that stage, I really felt like I was ready for the next challenge. Um, mm. And I really also wanted to go into a space where I felt like I could make an even more d direct impact. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it was like a very, like, it was a really challenging moment because it was like, okay, do you kind of walk away from this thing that you've helped to build, um, like to go into the complete unknown? Um, right. and, and I decided to make that leap and it's funny because, um, you know, I was, I had been living in the UK, I came back to the US and I was like totally just not sure what I was going to do. Um, I was really kind of doing a lot of soul searching and trying to figure out kind of like what, what was I most passionate about? Like what, mm -hmm. what things like really got me excited? And I thought back to my days in college and I had spent time in developing countries and was so fascinated by the sort of opportunities for women's economic empowerment and, and um, looking at global health and like kind of, I was really trying to focus there. and kind of out of the blue, a friend of mine called and said, listen, I have a friend who is taking a, a group of volunteers to Kenya to, to work with her nonprofit and 
Um, they're focused on women's health and girls' education. We have one seat left on the plane. Do you want to go? <laughs> and I was like, uh, yes. Yeah. And so I got on the plane and I went and it was just like, number one, so nourishing to to like be in a new environment, to be working on projects that were having kind of a direct impact on communities. But in the course of that, I saw all of this investment being made into girls' education. So everything from building schools, to providing uniforms, to providing tuition and supplies. And yet these girls would go missing for days at a time. And when I finally asked one of them, like, what's going on here? Like, where was, you know, where were you the other day? And where are the other girls? She said to me, you know, well, I was at home because I had my period. Right. And I was like, whoa. I know. And then she said. Yeah, that's really common. Yeah. Yeah. It it is. Um, You know, it's extremely prevalent. There are literally tens of millions, some estimates say 100 million girls who lack access to basic Mm -hmm. menstrual supplies. For most of us, like that's unthinkable, right? Like most of us kind of um, have felt like a sense of struggle in managing our periods at one point or another in some way, shape or form. But most of us have never actually gone without product and actually like not been able to access product, whether from a geographic perspective or from an economic perspective, immediately I was just sort of like floored because I, I just couldn't like imagine, I couldn't imagine that number one, but also it was this sort of immediate sense of connection with this girl that I had never thought about before, which was like, here we are two people from totally different sides of the planet and we both bleed every month. And like, there's this amazing commonality among us in that way. Like it is this universal experience of women. Mm -hmm. And no matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter what your race, class, economic situation is, like we all experience this. And like, it was sort of one of those light bulb moments where I was like, okay, this is the next thing. Like, how can I help to ensure that no girl is ever disempowered by her period? And as I, as I came back to the U.S., um, I just started digging into, like, my own experience of my period, the products that I had been using, the industry, the regulatory system around these products. And I was kind of, like, stunned to learn that most conventional feminine products are made with, um, you know, a mix of cotton and synthetics. And non-organic cotton is one of the dirtiest crops in the world, heavily, heavily sprayed with pesticides. Mm -hmm. And synthetics are petroleum-based substances that, you know, are made from a chemical process and have been linked to things like toxic shock syndrome. And like, I was just sort of stunned, you know, kind of at my own ignorance, even though like in most ways I was pretty health conscious and environmentally conscious. And this is something that most girls do not know even to this day. You know, I I think I learned about this because of Cora and I made a video sharing about period products and why you should move towards like, you know, organic cotton or cloth products. Like a lot of people still don't know and it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And so like that was really when I was like, oh my gosh, like there's such an opportunity here to modernize this whole experience, you know, for for myself and my own peers and mm-hmm. provide a healthier product, you know, create a brand that really represents modern women today who again care about 
design, they care about performance, they care about the environment, they care about global issues. And so it was really like create a brand that stands for all of those things and create, you know, a a version of the sort of popularized like one for one model where instead of, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote one for one, it's month for month. So for every month supply of Cora purchased, we help to provide a month supply of sustainable biodegradable sanitary pads to a girl in in a developing country. Nice. And do you have specific countries where you're based in the developing world? Yes. So um, our primary partner today is in India, and we are just now in the process of um, partnering with an additional organization in Kenya. So um, it's amazing. You know, we found these partners who are producing plant-based biodegradable pads in small factories that can be set up in rural villages and urban slums in India. And then they employ local women who would otherwise Mm -hmm. be unemployed or underemployed. So you have this amazing kind of holistic ecosystem where women in the local community are being empowered and are being given jobs with living wages and are being given, you know, skills training and health education. And then you have these products being produced and the way that we work is that we actually purchase the products that they're producing. So we're actually generating revenue for these small micro enterprises and supporting the local economy and helping them to grow. So essentially as we scale, they, they scale and it's really, really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And I I love this concept because I know earlier you were talking about, you thought you were going to go into the nonprofit world, but this whole social enterprise world, like I love it so much because I think it's the future. And I think that more and more businesses are going to do this. And it really is like a big way to be able to change the world. So I completely agree. I think like business is for better or worse, one of the most powerful forces on the planet. And if if that force could be harnessed for good, if every business saw it as their responsibility to make a positive social impact, the world would look very different. Let's take a break because I want to tell you about BetterHelp. Have you ever been interested in seeing a professional therapist? Maybe you found that counseling is too expensive, time-consuming, inconvenient, and inaccessible. Well, BetterHelp is a better way to do counseling. BetterHelp is an online website that provides easy, discreet, and affordable access to professional counseling from a licensed therapist. Now you can speak with a licensed therapist online via message, live chat, phone, or video. Lavender Lifestyle listeners get a free trial to BetterHelp. So after you sign up, BetterHelp will match you with one of their 2,000 licensed therapists in 24 hours or less. Get feedback, advice, and guidance from a professional so that you can live your best life. Go to lavender.com slash betterhelp to start your free trial today. The link is also in the show notes. All right, back to the podcast. I agree so much, like a thousand percent. I think so many people think business, they don't want to go into business. They don't want to be greedy. They don't want to be selfish, but like, it's just a tool. It's like you can use business for good. Totally. Yes. Another question, like I know you launched Cora not too long ago. Like, was it last year? Yeah. One year anniversary for you now. So that's, it's super fast. And now you're in Target and you've grown so much. So let's talk about how you even did that. Why do you think you were so successful? Yeah. So, I mean, we just crossed over our one year um, anniversary, which is really, really exciting. Um, And, you know, our first year was absolutely incredible. We just like couldn't have imagined the response that 
we've received. Um, and then to go into Target, like I think when we launched, like even though we had so much conviction about what we were doing, like we were one of the first companies to do it. And so it was, mm -hmm. there was still, like there's always kind of those lingering like doubts in the back of your mind. Like, is this really something that women want? Like, do, is it really the right time for this? Is there going to be a recognition that there's a need for this? And so, you know, I think as a startup, as an entrepreneur, like you, like you have to take that risk and be, be willing to put your product out there. And so, I mean, I think really like the reason that we've been successful and that we have so many passionate and convicted core customers today is because like our mission is authentic. Like we, mm -hmm. this is why we started the company. We started the company because we saw the way that girls in developing countries were struggling to manage their periods. And then it sort of was like unraveling a sweater from there. It was like, yeah. oh my gosh, well like women on the other side of the world, are, even though they can purchase products, like they're still having a negative experience too. I think the way that we've looked at solving this problem as a, as a really holistic approach has really resonated with women and they really appreciate the fact that like this purchase that they would be making anyway is actually benefiting a girl on the other side of the world that they might, they you know, most likely will never meet but it's a way to feel connected. And truthfully, like, mm -hmm. I also feel like, you know, a lot of people lately, you know, with the changing political climate have felt really uncertain. And there's sort of a feeling of, of I think, wanting to be more personally active and do good in the ways that we can. Oh, yeah. And this is just mm -hmm. a really simple, way to do that yeah i mean i appreciate that companies like you are doing this because you're connecting us with the developing world and you're bringing yeah bringing all of us closer and i think one thing that everyone listening should remember is you vote with your money right wherever you put your money that's where you're putting your vote and what you want to support so put it into businesses who are supporting good causes and whatever you believe in that's right that's exactly right yeah Okay, so uh, I do want to ask, what is the biggest lesson you've learned in the past year, this really big year of yours? I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is probably kind of more on the personal side, but for, for maybe the first half of last year and all that was going on, like I was really like stressed and I was really, I was pushing myself so hard and I wasn't taking mm -hmm. care of myself. And I think that one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that when I take care of myself, when I take care of my own needs, when I, when I practice what I preach, as far as, you know, women caring for themselves and their bodies and paying attention to what their bodies are telling them, I'm a better leader. I'm a better teammate. I'm mm -hmm. more, I feel more alive and more passionate about what I'm doing. And so like I could probably give like some more hard business advice. No, but I no, think, that, that's like, great. I yeah. think when, when you feel good and you're thriving in and of yourself, like that radiates out into everything you're doing. And I've yes. definitely seen that to be true. Like I am so much more 
happy and productive when I've taken care of all of my own needs and I've slept a little bit longer and mm -hmm. I've exercised a little bit and I've eaten a salad instead of a grilled cheese like it really it really does make a difference yeah I agree so much because I think a lot of women tend to like help others before helping themselves 100% right they sacrifice and it's so important to give back to yourself. I'm all about that. Really? And you know, like starting a business, it's like having a child oh, yeah. and it like <laughs> follows those same stages where it's like, you know, a newborn needs all of your attention, mm -hmm. but like when that baby naps, you can nap. Then it becomes a toddler and like there's not as much napping <laughs> and you are just on 24 seven because yeah. there are so many things happening. And like, I think that it's really easy to, yeah, put the needs of the business or your project or, or your child like before mm -hmm. your own. And that's really natural. And women, you're right, I think do that somewhat instinctually, but it's so critical to, to really take care of yourself and your own needs. It's hard to do, like I still struggle with it. I still, you know, <laughs> probably fail at it more <laughs> often than I succeed, but when I've been able to get there, it's totally game-changing. Yes, take care of yourself. Like make time to take care of yourself. Yeah, exactly. Take a bath, sit and have your coffee, close your computer while you're having lunch. Like it's these really like small things that actually make a huge difference. I took a walk yesterday. Like I, you know, <laughs> I live in San Francisco. I work in San Francisco. It's this amazing city. And for the first time yesterday, I like left in the afternoon and took like a 45 minute walk down by the water. And it was oh, fantastic. Nice. It was yeah. so nourishing. I felt so good. There were a hundred things waiting for me when I got back to the office, but like time just stopped right there. And I felt so much more possibility. I just felt amazing. Yeah. It was just fresh air and a little bit of scenery. Yeah, especially water, like scenery that always makes you feel amazing. Yeah, yeah. So doing stuff like that. And it's like, if you're, especially if you're like your own boss, I'm my own boss, but like I'm probably more punishing towards myself than like if I had an actual boss. And I think like for those, you know, of us who have that kind of freedom, like take advantage of it. What's yes. the point if you're not really giving back to yourself a little bit? Okay, last question. What advice do you have for aspiring social entrepreneurs? Because I know it's already hard to start a business, but also like to bring in that social aspect. How do you even like connect with the developing world if you want to make some change in that area? How does that work? Yeah, so I think number one truly is like follow the thread of what you're most passionate about. Like what excites you? What intrigues you? What pulls at your heartstrings? Like what really is the thing the issue, the problem, the person, the individual that you just can't get out of your head. And I think that's number one, because I think that's really the thing that, you know, provides the root and the seed for anything else that you're going to do. And truthfully, like that's the thing that you come back to when things get hard and they inevitably mm -hmm. do. The second thing I would say is just, you know, if you have an idea and you have a solution, just go for it. Just create your minimum viable product and get it out there and see if people will buy it. Don't worry about it being perfect. Don't worry about if you're an expert in X, Y, and Z. If you need help, jump on the internet and Google Google what you need to find out. Mm -hmm. Search LinkedIn for people that you need to find or Facebook. Get the help that you need, but ultimately just jump in, I would say, is like the best advice that, that I could give. Start doing it. It's gonna be messy. You're gonna look back in six months and you're gonna hate, you know, you're gonna like think what you had done was like absolutely horrible because today you've got something much better. But I think that we need so many more people starting businesses that are built to make a difference. And so like, don't, you know, worry about 
you know, how much experience you have or if you have money to start the company or, or anything like that. Like, I think that I truly believe that, you know, if you are passionate and you have a vision for something that the universe conspires to bring you what you need and you have to be patient and all of that. But, um, yeah, I think, I think you just have to go for it. All right. Thank you so much, Molly. This was such a great interview. And I hope anyone listening out there, honestly, it would be amazing if this would like inspire somebody to start their own social business. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just so excited for all the work that you do. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk to you. And for anyone out there, check out Cora. You can find them at Cora.life or your Instagram is Cora Women, right? That's right. Okay, great. Bye. Bye, everyone. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like the podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. It helps me so much and also helps other people find the show. You can also catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender, where I have even more content for the artist of life. All right, love you all. Bye. Bye.